0: Dark Cast Network. Welcome to the Dark Side of Podcasts. You cannot half-ass heal. You can't do it. Welcome or welcome back to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany your host and today I'm here with my guest June. Hey, how are you doing? I'm very good. How are you? Doing good. Very good.
1: So what brings you to Crime Over Cocktails? I'm here to basically tell my story, my my trauma story and the biggest trauma that I had in my life and how I actually got through it. Sorry that you had to go
0: through trauma, but You're doing amazing things now. So where does this journey begin?
1: Um, So back in 2009, I decided that it was time for me to have a child. Um, I was the woman that felt like business was the career driven business woman was the thing for me. And um, it just, well, my grandfather died and a whole bunch of things happened and it was like, you know what, I want to have kids. So in 2009, I decided I was going to have a child, which was my son, Caleb. As we ended towards the end of the pregnancy, about five weeks before I was having him, I started having bad complications with it. Um, I had the high blood pressure, the, the diabetes. I started having all the complications that you sometimes have. I had to go for basically, uh, it's like an ultrasound where they, they check the baby and everything like that, make sure that it's going all right. did the stress test, and they sent me home that night. But well, when they sent me home that night, I was tired. I ended up going and falling asleep, and when I woke up, I was bleeding everywhere. And so fast forward to that nightmarish night, I ended up having my son, but I had a complete placental abruption. and. For anybody that doesn't know what that is, when you have a complete placenta baby basically baby tears away from your your wall and they're not breathing. So Caleb had a bunch of problems. Um, He was a special needs child. He had microcephaly, a seizure disorder. He couldn't couldn't eat. And so he had a feeding tube, just a whole bunch of things that went on with that. And so the doctors then, they said, you know, if he lives with them, 24 hours, then he's going to live for a while, but one day he's going to fall asleep and he's not going to wake up. And for some reason, for me, I had in my mind 10 years. That was just the number that I had. Fast forward to 2012, my ex husband and I were living basically our normal life. And our normal life consisted of, you know, Caleb and taking care of Caleb, giving his medications, taking him to his special needs daycare, just all these things as a special needs parent. The day before the night, we actually, well, my ex-husband actually took him to all his appointments down in Gainesville, Florida at Shands, and he had come back, and situations happened that he ended up going to my parents' house and seeing my parents, and then we came home, and Caleb was tired from that night, so he went to sleep, and for anybody that has a special needs child will understand, you kind of take shifts, because a lot of times, special needs kids will wake up several times during the middle of the night. Plus, we had to, he had to continuously get fed. So we would have to wake up and change out his feeding tube. So um, my ex-husband was on what we called it shift work. And he was on that night and I woke up to him screaming. In two thousand March 20th of 2012, I woke up to him screaming. And I kind of ran down the stairs a little bit and I was like, what's wrong? And he's like, Caleb's not breathing. And, you know, I guess my mind was trying to catch up with what he was telling me because I asked him, I said, are you joking? And he said, no, I'm serious. And I ran down, down the stairs, dialed 911 and uh, here we down dialed 911 and don't talk. Police come to me. Why? So I dialed 911. I threw the phone down. I ran into his room. I started CPR on Caleb and I had a Brian was my ex-husband's name. I had him go talk to 911, and he went and talked to 911, and I did CPR on Caleb until the paramedics arrived, and the paramedics took him to the hospital. And when we finally got to the hospital, because there's a whole story behind that, but when we finally got to the hospital, the chaplain and obviously the doctor came in and told us that Caleb did not survive, that they did everything they could, and he passed away. And obviously Caleb was only, he was like two years old, three months and some days old at the time. And that's kind of what started the biggest trauma in my life. Um, the biggest thing that I have to work through. And the biggest thing that I, I totally believe is the only thing that the biggest trauma I'm ever going to have to deal with. So, I mean, I, I guess that's a, I always look at it as a good thing because I've already lived. I, I used to have an affirmation that I, I sometimes still say it, but I used to have an affirmation that I used to say all the time, I've already lived my worst day. So every day after that's going to be better than that day was. Obviously, I didn't have that when we first started going through everything with it, because, you know, I don't know, you just go into this, this deep, dark place. And, you know, at first it's, it's the crying and it's the, everybody's around and then everybody leaves and then you're all alone. And I think that was one of the biggest things was that. And then I kept telling myself, I want to go back to the way my life was. And I didn't realize at that time that there is no going back to the way your life was because your life has forever changed. And, you know, my morals, my values, my beliefs had changed. And I just went in to this deep, dark place. And when I went into that deep, dark place, I didn't know how to get out. Um, I really didn't wanna get out and I was at the point at that that place and I didn't think of it at the time, but I I was at the, I was at the point where I didn't care if I I lived or not because if I died I could be with my son again. You know, and you know, when you're going through it you're like, Yeah, I'm not suicidal or anything like that. No, I wasn't gonna kill myself or anything like that, but that's still a really dark place to be in and I didn't I had sunk so deep down that I didn't know I was there, if that makes sense. So I got to that deep, dark place, and you know, then all the other demons, you know, when you're already down, because you're dealing with the grief, then all the other demons come out, you know, all all the other demons, the things you did that you wish you never did, and I wish I was a better person, and just, you know, all, and then that goes on top of the grief, and I just got in that, that dark place, and I was there for Almost a year. I want to say I was there for almost a year. And after after I reached that dark place, I finally, I can remember sitting on my couch and I actually had divorced my husband. And I think there was, there was a whole mixture of things there. But I think I wanted to disassociate from anything that had to deal with Caleb, minus my parents. My parents were there the whole time. And I just wanted to disassociate with it. I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want, I, di- I didn't want to feel it. I did that for a long time, and I did that by throwing myself into work. I graduated with my bachelor's degree. When Caleb died. I was in my last week of my last class, with my last paper of my bachelor's degree. So I, I ended up graduating. I got an extension. I ended up graduating with my bachelor's degree, but. I got to that place where I didn't want to feel anything. So what I ended up doing was I threw myself into work and I threw myself, I decided I was going to take a master's degree in forensic psychology, which was great. I'm glad I did. Cause I think that that really helped when I was learning about the mind and the way the mind is and everything like that. It was really interesting to me and it's still interesting to me today, but I can remember sitting on my couch with my, I had a little miniature dachshund at the time, and she had been around, uh, she was probably 15 years old by then, she lived forever too, but um, I can remember sitting on the couch with her and just being alone in my, my house, this big house, by myself, and being alone, and thinking to myself that I can't stay here forever. You know, I'm 31 years old because I was only 31. Well, I was over 31 at that time. When Caleb died, I was 31. I was 32. And I I was like, you know, I can't live like this for the rest of my life. I got to do something. And that's where I decided I was going to figure out what it meant to heal because everybody says, oh, well, you'll heal. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? You know, like, how do you heal from losing your child? And you know, everybody's like, yeah, you're going to heal. And it's only going to be, you know, they give you all these time frames and they tell you how you're supposed to do it, everything. And, you know, I'm like, I, I lived my life out of the ordinary before Caleb. So like, now I'm like, okay, well, why am I going to listen to these other people that don't know what I'm going through? And I'm an introvert at heart. So the whole group counseling and telling a stranger my my deepest, darkest secrets. And what I was thinking was just not for me. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna do it my own way, which I don't, I tell people all the time that might not be the way to do it, but that's the way that I did it. And I just started learning about the mind and you know, that for me, it was learning that my life was never going to be back the way it used to be. There is no such thing as that because everything changes. It, It changes you. And any kind of trauma changes you, but obviously for me, it was my child loss in learning that who am I, you know, who I am I as a person, what am I going to, be, you know, believe, what are my morals, what are my values, and what was I going to do, And what was I going, not going to do, and I think that was one of the biggest obstacles after I decided I'm going to do this, I don't know how to do this, but I'm not turning back now. And then obviously I had my affirmation that I, t- I did. And I did, you know, I said that all the time because every day was a bad day for a really long time. You know, every day was one minute, one minute you're, you're okay. And the next minute you're crying. And then one minute you're screaming at somebody. And, you know, it, there's just so many, I call it a roller coaster. There's so many ups and downs and, and trauma in general. It doesn't have to be child loss, but just in trauma in general there's so many ups and downs
0: and no two journeys look the same. So for someone to be like, Oh, it should take like 23 minutes and 45 seconds. Like,
1: no, that's not how it works. Yeah. It didn't. That was, I, I think that's my biggest thing is like, how can you tell me? You don't know, you know? And I think even though I've lost a child and I know many women that have lost children are still our journey is still different. Yeah, we all lost ch- children. We all know that it's very emotional, but our journey is still going to be somewhat different. Obviously, the way our children pass is different and then how we mourn we the loss. And I think that has a lot to do with your personality as well. Right. No, for
0: sure. So that's interesting. You took the educational route. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, that was really beneficial or do you still kind of wish maybe you would have talked to someone as well?
1: Um, I you know, I, I went to um when I when I decided to go down this path, I did when Caleb first died, everybody was like, You need to go to counseling. So I went to one counseling session with my ex husband, my mom and my dad. And I just the guy was really nice. And I had nothing against him. He was really nice, very, um, very good with us. But I just, it just didn't feel right for me. And for me, like he had, he had lost a child. So I'm like, like, how can you tell me how to feel? I guess. And you know, I didn't know anybody that was a therapist or a counselor or anything that had lost a child at that point. I thought I was the only one going through it. So for me. I have trust issues sometimes. <laughs> I always told, everybody I have trust issues. But for me, the education route was what worked so well for me is because I could read it, I could see it, and I could see what they're you know what they're saying about the mind. And that's why the education route worked for me um, specifically. Um, but I think for someone that's more of maybe an extrovert, that needs that outside that outside balance. It would work like counseling, group therapy would work really well for them. But for me, that just wasn't that wasn't an option for me.
0: Right, and I mean it's your own interpretation of what you're reading, how you want to add it to your life, and how you want to take it. It's not people trying to shove stuff down your throat. You read it, you dissect it, and you take it as it is.
1: Yeah. And, you know, in inter- me, my interpretation of it and everybody's interpretation of anything is can be different. You know, you can have 20 interpretations of just the way some thoughts. Um, and for me, it was taking what what I was reading and then putting it into action. And it, and it was anything from I mean, I've read I've read so many books and I've watched so much stuff because um, YouTube and books are Uh, so much knowledge is out there and it's at our fingertips now. And, you know, for me, it was reading it and then saying, you know, that just doesn't seem right. I need to check, you know, I need to check the facts on that. Or it was, you know what, I'm going to try that. And it was, it was just, I think any kind of trauma is a trial and error. What works for you might not work for somebody else. Like for me, I love practice. I loved it before, and I loved it after. I love practical jokes. I love those those YouTube videos where they're, you know the bushman, where they're jumping out and scaring people, and like Halloween pranks <laughs> and just things like that. I love that. And I got to a point, and this is later on in my loss, but this is just an example. But if I know I'm in a bad mood, I can I can pop a video on YouTube and change change my the way that my mind is and immediately you know obviously that's it's a lot more when you first start out in your in your lost journey but but now I can gauge stuff like that you know like I'm a crappy mood today let me let me do something to change it you know uh, but it's finding those little things for every person because some people would be like that's that's dumb like why why would you do that but that. That brings me joy. (laughs) That brings me joy. I like doing that, you know. But it doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's funny, you know. I don't like doing it. I don't like being scared, but it's so funny, you know. And that's what you know. I, I love like the the YouTube stuff with like the kitty, the kittens and the dogs and where they're rescuing them. But those things make you cry half the time when you're watching them, you know. So, but that was just one thing. That I mean, that's just one thing, and you just. I think a lot of anybody's trauma is finding out who they are after. I think that's like the big, a really, really big thing because I know with me, I had my grief trauma, but then I had all the traumas about the stuff that I was not happy with that I did even back in high school. I mean, you know, it was just, it was just a Debbie down the face for me back then, but you know, uh, I figured out ways that, I could honor my child. I think that was another big thing because I thought that you had to go ahead and just put your child in, in a chest, lock it up, and don't talk about him anymore because it's so taboo to talk about child loss. But the thing is, is there's so many of us out here, but everybody doesn't want to talk about it because it's so uncomfortable. Every person, I think, is taught life cycle. We, we are taught that from when or in elementary school, you know, you're a baby and you're a toddler and then you're a teenager and young adult, a middle-aged adult, you get older and then you pass away, you know, and you have your own kids when you're, you know, early, early adult, middle aged. And when you take like a piece out of that life cycle, everybody's like, Oh, you know, this something's up with this, you know? And, um, so I, I think that's a big part of it too. Well, you can definitely see that your journey
0: did make you grow because you mm-hmm. went from not wanting to remember him or have anything to remind you of him to now wanting to honor him and to remember him. And so that just goes to show that you really went into a better place.
1: Yeah. And and I always tell everybody now with any kind of trauma or the women I work with that have lost a child, you know, the day that your child died or passed away, however you want to say it, some people don't like to say died. But, um, when, whenever your child passed away, that day that they passed away, that's the day that their legacy began. And the only way their legacy is going to live on is through you, through doing whatever you do to honor your child. And, you know, I have, I have a daughter now and she's never met her, her brother Caleb, but she knows all about him you know, and, you know, I wrote a book and I told his story and I talk about him regularly with my new husband. You know, um, he knows Caleb. He doesn't know him physically, but he knows him through all the memories that I tell him, you know, and another part of it is, is some, some families, they either grow, the parents either grow stronger together or they end up divorcing. And so you have a lot of where you know, a new person comes in and has no idea what it feels like to lose a child. But it's finding that that's another thing is finding that partner that can work with you and understands, okay, she's having a bad day. Like, you know, my husband now, he's um, he's never experienced it. He is that older son himself from no a previous marriage and on his birthday, on Candle's birthday and his death day, it's I'm thinking about you. I know what day it is. And Sometimes that's all it's needed to know that Caleb's not forgotten. But the day that they pass away is the day that their legacy begins. And each mom can choose whether they want to pack it away or not. But I've found sharing Caleb with people that have never, I know so many people that have never even met Caleb. A lot of people now that I associate with every day have never met him. But he lives on through my stories. He lives on through me honoring him and Carrying on his legacy because his life did matter, even though you know he was only two and a half when he died. It
0: didn't matter, even if you know it was right after birth. It's you were attached, you know, you loved him, and it's hard losing a person. I mean, it's hard losing a
1: pet. You know what I mean? Like that's oh yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: I have not dealt with that, fortunately. But I can, I think it takes a lot of self-control and self-exploration to really be able to come out of that dark spot. And I think that you should be very proud of yourself that you were able to do that.
1: Yeah, I I downplay it a lot. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah, you know, and then like, like recently with, you know, with the other achievements I've done, they're like, you know, you did this and I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I played off like, yeah, I was bored. I figured I had some time. So wrote a book or, you know, I, I started uh, doing something else or whatever I'm doing at the time. But, um, it does take, it does take that first initial truthfully mind. I'm going to do this and never looking back after that. It's, it's really, really hard to do. And it took me a whole year to do it. You know, it wasn't like, yeah, the day that he passed away, I was like, let's do it. No, it took me a year of being in that spot before I was like, you know, I'm just going to do it. You know, and um, you hear other stories. Obviously, I'm talking about child loss. But you hear other stories of, um, of traumas where they decided, you know, I wasn't going to let it beat me. You hear alcoholism drug addiction you hear them all the time that they just made that decision that day that that's it no matter how much i'm going to struggle i'm still going to do this and it and it goes the same for for child loss because i mean it was it was a blow because he was my only child you know i mean and he was special needs so it's me and him that's what i always used to tell you know it's me and you we live for each other and here i am 2023 and he's not here with me you know, so it it does, it It really does take that push. And, and I always say, you can't have asset, you can't, you can't go in and just, you know, yeah, I think I'm gonna do it. You just got to do it. If that's anything in life, though, you have to, if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it.
0: Rip the bandaid off. so <laughs> mm-hmm. they say.
1: Yeah, and it hurts. I mean, I'm not gonna say that it's, it's easy to do, because Lord knows it's not. And, I always tell my husband, I if something ever did happen to my daughter, I don't know if I could do that again, because it's the toughest thing that I have ever had to do, and I believe that I'll ever, ever do in my life. But it it also works for me too, because now I have I have this mindset that you know what I can if I can do that, I can do anything, you know, and whether that's the truth or not, uh, that's what I believe. Um, And yeah, that's, that's kind of what I believe is that I can do anything if I can do that.
0: At least it's a positive mindset.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that goes for anything though. You know what I mean? Like we go through so much stuff in our life and I don't, I don't rank trauma because trauma to me is my child loss. Obviously that's the worst trauma that I've ever been through. But trauma for someone could be that divorce. Trauma for someone could be losing that job that they thought or did not getting that job that they thought was their best. It's the biggest tra- trauma with them, and it's what affects them on a daily basis. It's what affects their mindset. My trauma is not everybody else's trauma, and everybody else's trauma is not mine. But stop saying, oh, well, I should not worry about my trauma because... This woman right here talking on this podcast has lost her child. You know, she lost her child in 2012, because it's it's not the same. You know, it's trauma. If it's bothering you, if it's putting you in that dark place, then it is important and it is a big, huge thing.
0: And you have to work at it if you want to grow.
1: I see it a lot with, with my friends that haven't lost children. They're like, Oh, well, I don't want you to hear my, my trauma, you know, or my, my drama going on. You got more stuff that, that's happened. It's worse. It Doesn't matter. I still, you know, I still want to hear it because that's bothering you and you're my friend, you know, and it's, I, I see it a lot too with women. So, so with child loss, they only, when you're looking at statistics, they say, From 24 weeks to 25 years old, if you lose a child, then you lost, you know, you've lost a child and they, then you have a statistic, you fit in the statistic. But what about all the women that lost the child before that? That were only five weeks, six weeks. That still was a baby. That was still them making goals and making plans for the future for their child. And that, and that, that dream is gone. And then obviously kids that are, you know, over the age of 25, there's still your kids. if I'm 70 and my child's 60 and he, and he passes away, that still matters. That's still child loss. So I see a lot with, with the child loss thing that, oh, I was only, you know, I was only eight weeks pregnant. You were eight weeks, you were two months into child loss. You know what I mean? You were two months into your pregnancy. That was a child. And I know you had dreams and expectations for that child. I see it a lot with that. And I see it a lot with traumas, people trying to rank trauma and it's not ranking trauma. If it's bothering you, as a trauma and you need, you need to take that step to move forward in that trauma. Trauma, And I always say, rebuild your life because I don't, I don't believe, like I said earlier, I don't believe you heal. I, I believe you learn how to deal with it, but rebuilding your life, making that step to rebuild your life, no matter what that trauma is, that's, absolutely the most important thing you can imagine
0: absolutely you have to you have to move forward if not you become an empty soul you're just Mm -hmm. you're just there your presence is there but you're not Mm -hmm. living
1: yeah obviously i was still young i mean and i still think i'm young you know i'm not uh, i don't think i'm elder yet but i was so young then. you know i had just passed my 20s getting into my thirties when this happened. And I, you know, I can remember thinking 30, 40, 50 years, I'm going to live like this, you know, this last year that I've been living, I'm supposed to live like this. And I think that was another push for me too, because I was like, I can't, this is only year one. There is absolutely no way I can live another 20, 30, 40 years like this. And even then it ages you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've uh, I've aged plenty. You know, since then, it does. It does age you. You feel. I I always tell everybody. I was like, yeah, I'm in my 40s, but I feel like I'm 90. Just because it's it's exhausting, you know, and all that all that stuff that you're keeping in too, that that wears you out, that tears you down, that makes you tired, that makes you feel awful. You know, makes you feel sick. You can make yourself feel sick. It's it's just a lot, keeping all that stuff inside.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, a lot of it, it has to do with your mindset. If you put on a happy face and you tell yourself that you're happy, you are going to attract happiness. But if you think, you know, life sucks, nothing's good, my job sucks, my car sucks, guess what? Your life is going to suck.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm like affirmations like i don't think like a lot of people understand affirmations. so basically you're telling yourself something and whether you believe it or not basically when you tell your brain something over and over and over again whether you speak it think it whatever you're doing all those negative in your subconscious you're changing you're changing the mindset and that's what an affirmation is for that you you know you're saying something over and over again basically until you believe it and you're trying to change your mindset and just like with my affirmation, you know, I've already lived my worst day. Every day after that, every day after that, it's going to be better than that day was. I didn't believe that when I started. You know, I did not believe that one bit, but I would tell myself that and, poet, and eventually I was like, yeah, my day's better. Yeah, my day's better. But I can still remember being back during that time when I, I worked with a bunch of jokesters back then. And I still work with jokesters, but I worked with a bunch of them back then. remember them trying to make me laugh and when they were trying to make me laugh I remember giggling a little bit and thinking oh my god should I be smiling should I be laughing my child just died you know this is crazy your mind will play extreme tricks on you it's crazy how your mind is did it make you feel guilty that you were laughing oh yeah It, it it totally did because like to me, and, and I think this is one thing that a lot of people go through, like how long is it supposed to take for me to heal? You know, if I'm, if I'm not healed in say three months, is something wrong with me? When am I allowed to laugh again? When am I, because at the time when it first happened, I wasn't even eating. So, you know, when am I supposed to eat again? When am I supposed to want to feel like doing something? And then when those times do happen, you feel guilty. You feel, like, why should I be laughing? Why should I be smiling? Why should I feel happy? Because my child's gone. Like, how do you, you know? And it was back at that point where it's like, how do you come back from that? Like, there's, there's no coming back from that. You know, the more and more that I went through my child loss, I kept telling myself, it's okay. It's okay. But yeah, you feel, especially at first, you know, you feel so guilty. I can literally remember, I can remember where I was sitting the first time I laughed after my child passed away. And I I can remember thinking, God, should I be feeling, should I be laughing right now? The sad part about it is, it's like your friends, you don't know what to feel, what to do, you know, you don't know if it's right or wrong. But all your friends are trying to do is get you back to the person you were. And they're trying to get you back to that person. They don't understand that you're not that person anymore, that it's going to change who you are. So, you know, they're trying to make you happy and be happy because they want to see you because you're their friend happy. So, I mean, it's it's a big back and forth with with child loss, I feel. Yeah, it's a tug on yourself. But
0: one thing that I usually tell people, you know, when you do loose person a friend uh child is that that person wouldn't want you to not live your life anymore that person doesn't want you to cry every day you know that's not what they want to happen to you and so you have to still live your life or because if not it's almost like you went with them
1: Mm -hmm. i think that kind of aligns with that i people Goodness gracious, people don't like say, like like this saying, but everything happens for a reason. And that's one, one thing that I mention in, in my book is everything happens for a reason. You know, that saying was put out. That doesn't mean that everything that happens is going to be grand, brand and everything that happens is supposed to be a fairy tale. If that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that. But everything that happens to you in your life makes you who you are. And helps you find your purpose. Um, I would not be doing this podcast right now. I would not be helping these women that I, I love helping on a daily basis. Um, I wouldn't be an author. There's so many things I wouldn't be if, if it wasn't for that experience. And I also look at, I wouldn't have my husband. I wouldn't have my daughter that I think changed my life. I think she was a big part of changing my life. And I wouldn't have have what I have now. If it didn't happen, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would still have my child knowing that I was going to have a complete placental abruption and almost passed. I, I, you know, he's going to die it too. I still would do it again because knowing him for the two years and three months that I did was the most uh, amazing thing. I mean, he taught me how to be a mom. And I always say that he, he taught me how to be a mom and then my daughter taught me how to actually live again and and i always say that with the, with the both of them and i would do it all over again does it suck that's, that's like the only thing i could think of when i first lost my child they're like how do you feeling i'm like it sucks like I, there is no other word but that so you know yeah it it's awful and i don't wish anybody to go through it but it did happen because i'm doing my it did happen And I truly believe it happened for a reason. You know, it's chapters in my story that I would rather not read again. But but they're there and they're part of who made me who I am today. Right. Hello, Spooklings. I'm Jason. And I'm Kathy.
0: And we're the hosts of the weekly podcast, All Hallows' Eve Podcast.
1: We are a husband and wife duo with a passion for anything spooky, macabre, and true crime, sprinkled with our own twist of comedy.
0: We explore topics such as the history of Halloween, the butcher of Plainfield, Pocus Pocus 2, urban legends, superstitions, and more.
1: So come join us as we go down the rabbit hole that is All Hallows' Eve Podcast.
0: Listen and follow us at com or your favorite podcast provider.
1: Stay spooky, my friends.
0: So I have a question. I know obviously you're remarried, you have your daughter, and everything happens for a reason, but do you wish that maybe you would have tried to make that marriage work?
1: Yeah. At the point that I was at, at that point, We didn't. We had a rocky marriage from the time that Caleb was born. Obviously, we got divorced, and instead of working on it together, and what started what started it, I was the person that was like, "Caleb, we're gonna let Caleb try to do anything possible," and Brian was the person that was like, "The doctor said he could only do this. You know, let's not push him." And, you know, he was looking out for like, I don't want to push him, and hurt him, pushing him. And I was like the person that was like, yeah, let's push him and let him do whatever he wants to do. And he's going to do more. And that's what started the Rocky marriage. And instead of trying to fix it, we started to grow apart and we didn't go to counseling. We didn't do anything. And then we, we separated for a period of time and then we came back together and then obviously Caleb died. But then you know, I want to say a a few months of us getting back together. And then again, when Caleb died, we kind of, we kind of stuck together. But then shortly after Caleb died, it was that same thing. Like he was the one that wanted, and he was an extrovert. Um, He wanted to be with the people and he wanted to, to grieve with people. And I wanted to be alone and I wanted to disassociate myself from that. And I wanted to, dis. I, I, I truly believe that I wanted to disassociate myself with anybody that knew Caleb. And which it, that's really bad to say, but that's just, that, that's being real. That, that's, that's what I was feeling at the time. I think that if we would have, when it first happened, if we would have both been willing to go, he would have been. But if we both would have been willing to go yeah, we could have worked on a marriage because I know if we could have worked on a marriage and we would probably still be together today. But I chose a different path. Whether that path is right or wrong, you know, that's, you know, I, path. I, Yeah, it's <laughs> it's my path and, you know, I, I got married again and, you know, I have my daughter. But yeah, I mean, I, looking back at it now, I think that if you're in that spot with a person and you have a great marriage before that trauma, whatever that trauma is, I'm going to say trauma because with any kind of trauma, you're going you're gonna to bring problems into the relationship. But try to work on it together. Like after this trauma, like from day one, be like, this is what's going on. Maybe not telling your your other half at the time, but, you know, we need to, we need to start working on that. I got some things, you know, I got some things going on in my head. And I think we need to work on it and, and take those steps to try to understand each other. And if you can't, go to counseling, you know, because I, I, I truly believe that counseling does work for a lot of people. But try to work on it. But again, it goes back to the whole thing. If you're not 100% in, there's absolutely no reason to find it. And, and that kind of goes back to, to me. I was not 100% in. There was absolutely no way. No way. I was going to be a hundred percent man. That sounds so selfish, but you know, that's those other demons I was talking about too. It was all about me, you know? And at that time it was like, no, I just lost my son. I'm not dealing with this. Whether that's wrong or not, that's how I was, you know, that's how I was feeling. And if any other woman, yeah, if any other woman is, is feeling like that with their trauma, you're not alone. You know, I was there. Whether people are, are hating me saying that or not, you know, that, that's where I was at. It, it's real. You got to be true with yourself um, to move forward. So I'll tell my story and tell all my little demons. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: okay. There's people yeah. that need to hear that stuff because everybody is different. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like, you know, every journey is different, but we do sometimes intertwine. And so, it's refreshing for other people to be able to hear how other people dealt with it. How, how did they move on? What worked for them? What didn't work for them? You know, just sometimes it's ideas that you never even thought of.
1: Yeah. And I think everybody in, in the world is more creative than they let themselves to be. You can go to therapy. You can go talk to the best coaches out there. You can go to actual psychologists and You know, they give you, yeah, I can give you step one through six, you know, and I have six steps that I live by. They can give you all those steps, but that might not work for you. There's no cookie cutter way to say, hey, I'm going to heal from this trauma with these steps, you know, and finding your purpose. Like it took me forever to find my purpose. Like I, I had no clue, you know, I was 10 years into my loss before I even started a group. For women, it was 10 years when I started writing my book. So, you know, my whole 30s and early 40s was just wondering who I am. And God almighty, I hope it doesn't take anybody as long as it took me to, you know, figure it out. But, you know, I'm hard-headed and I'm, I'm all right with that. But I just, just going through it and finding out who you are. And yeah, it can be any time. And it's not that cookie cutter that everybody thinks everybody's like yeah there's a way to do it you know you see all these kinds of therapies and it's not it's not no (laughs) no yeah (laughs) and 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 i studied all of them i i did cbt i did dbt i did um nlp i did um acceptance and commitment therapy i mean i went through a whole bunch of them you know and obviously there there was two that i could relate to which was neuro linguistic programming and acceptance and commitment therapy like those were the two that that I I felt it you know I'm like yep I this is this is where I need to go with my loss but but someone else that's dealing with child loss might think that uh, cognitive behavioral therapy is better for them or you know something else is better for them or someone that's dealing with another trauma might, something else might be better for them but those were the two that that worked for me and I could relate to them
0: do you want to share your six steps?
1: Yeah. So, and I say six steps, but it's, it's not like, um, not like do this and do this and you're going to be okay. Read it, think it, speak it, write it. I can't think of one and then live it. So basically, basically what this, the six steps are is basically you need to oh, hear it. That's the, that's the one I was missing. So basically you need to read about it. You need to read about other people's stories, and you need to read about your story. I think that you actually, when you have, everybody has triggers, and um, from their, whatever traumatic event they've had, and I believe that you have to think about those triggers and actually dissect them down. So I believe that every trigger, there's something really deep down inside you that causes you to have that trigger. And we usually, and I'll use my, my child loss as an example, you know, it's easy for me to go. I started crying because I'm thinking about my child loss. But there is some reason deep down why I start doing that. And and I deal with that all the time. And, and it's just like, yeah, it's my child loss. Okay, but what else? Okay, yeah, it might be that. Okay, what else? And, uh, you know, I did that uh, recently with my mom. My mom passed away, not this July, but last July. And I started having all this stuff with my my son come up again. And I'm like, oh, why am I going down this path again? You know, why am I getting dark? And um, you know, and I, and I did that. It's I sat like, what a you know? What is it? It's my child lost. My mom died. Okay, it's something more than that. Okay, my mom was there for his, you know, his birth, and um, my mom watched him. And My mom's a family member, and you know, and I kept going, and I finally got down to it. Is my my trigger. I was feeling this way about my son because my mom was one of the only people that I associated with on a daily basis that actually knew my son as a person, not as the stories I tell when I when I honor him. It was a bond, yeah. It it was it was something deep down, you know. But that's what I'm talking about. When I'm saying think it, you have to think about why you're feeling the way you are. You need to write it. I I truly believe in in journaling, and uh, not that. That steps like the the soul thing that's going to help you, but I believe that writing down what you're thinking at the time it does two things for you. It lets you get it out of your head what you're thinking that you may not want to tell somebody. Um, but it but what it also does for you is when you're having those bad days, you can go back and read those times and say, you know what, I think that I'm I'm slacking and I'm down in that deep place again. But no, I'm not. I'm not there again. So I believe in write it. I believe you have to speak it. Um, I believe that you have to honor your honor. Like for me, I honor my child every day. I believe that you have to speak about them. I, I think you have to talk about them. Um, I think that you know um, you need to keep their legacy alive because that's what keeps me going every day. You know because my child, yeah, he's not physically here with me, but I honor him every day. And he has a legacy and, you know, and, they, and gives me purpose. Um, so I think that you need to speak it. Plus, you can think about it. You can write it down. But speaking it is another way for me that was healing, healing for me, my way of dealing with it. Because the first time that I actually started talking about it, it was actually in a group of people that I didn't know. And I was talking about my loss. And I broke down. You know, because I think about it all the time and write about it all the time, but I wouldn't talk about it. Um, so I'm really thinking you need to talk about it. Um, the hear it part is, I think you need to hear other people's stories of of the trauma, whatever the trauma is. Like for me, it's child. So I listen to other women's stories and what they were going through because it, it does so many different things for you. It keeps you from feeling alone. You know that there's other people out there. And then those deep, dark, secret things that we don't want to talk about, and we are like, "Oh my God, I can't believe I'm feeling that." Maybe they're going to—they're feeling the same thing. And that's—that's one of my big things when I talk to women and when I talk on podcasts—is I want you to know everything that—that I was thinking because of the fact that maybe it can help that one woman not think that she's strange for feeling that way. So, so I believe that you need to hear those stories because it does help with with you learning how to rebuild your life and then live it. And that goes back to once you make that decision to move forward and, and rebuild your life, you never go back. You never take a step back. You might have bad days, but you never step back into that place that you're in when you decide. So that's where live it comes from is, is to live it each day. If you're, a, you're in a bad mood or if you know that you're having a bad day, stop it right there. Because you can have a bad day or you can have a bad hour or you can have a bad minute. It's up to you. You know, you, you have the choice to change which way your, your day's going to go. And that's not every single day, but from the majority of the days that are out there, you know, you can, you can change it. And that's what it means to live it, to live. And I always say to live, my, I, I'm living, I'm going to try to live my best life. You know, I'm going to be the best version of myself. And, um, and that's doing, that's another thing is like doing what you want to do when you're living, you know, don't fear because fear will stop people from doing so many things, you know, and fear is put in us. If you go back to scientifically, uh, you know, fear is put into us and it comes back, goes back to, you know, caveman days where, you know, you needed that fear in you because of everything that was going to try to hurt you, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah, but it can carry up, but but now our bodies still have that in us, and we can either choose to stop and always wonder, because I'm really big with regret, don't regret anything, because the minute that you regret something, then after the regret, then there's the guilt, and there's so much, there's like a downhill slope with that, so yeah, fear is a big thing, I, I could talk about fear forever, but you just got to get over that fear, and, that, and I feel it every day i can remember
0: if i stayed with my fear i wouldn't have this podcast right now. so Mm
1: -hmm. oh yeah and you know that that's me too and 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 i can remember like just you know recently when with with you know what am i going to publish this i'm just going to do it you know breathing deep and just like you know scent just screw it scent you know and just doing it i'm glad i did it now but at the time man that anxiety and just you know my heart was about to beat out of my chest but just something as simple as hitting stand, you know, or hitting record on a podcast or hitting send on a a message that you're sending in a group or whatever. It could change your life forever just by that one working through that one fear.
0: That is so true. And so powerful. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about your book. I bet that, I bet it was like therapeutic for you.
1: Yeah, it, it was, um, it's, it's, it was, and I'm glad that I waited. Um, I was in my tenth year of my child loss, and um, I was I, I rolled over into my eleventh year while I was writing it. But I'm so glad that I waited because there was so much I learned in those ten, those first ten years. That it, if I knew early on that I wanted to write a book about the experience, that the book would have been totally different if I would have done it at three years in five years in six years in. Um, So I'm glad I waited so long, but even, even 10 years in, you know, and and I mentioned it in the book, you know, I was writing a section in the book and it was mother's day. It was actually mother's day when I was writing it. And I started crying, you know, writing about it, you know, it's just, it it was, it's all part of it, but it was, it, it was, I guess for me too, it was a big thing. A big thing with me is, obviously, you've already mentioned it, is keeping his legacy alive. And I could reach so many, with, with me writing that book, I could reach so many more women and let them know, hey, you're not alone. You, you know, you're you're fine with where where you are. You're okay. And it was therapeutic. And it, and it had, when I was writing it, you know, it had its ups and downs, you know. And, and by the time I, I finished reading it, it, I mean, writing it, you know, I, I got to the point where I looked at my husband and I was like, you are going to think of crazy," you know, because it, it was it was just so you know, one minute you're happy about it, and then the next minute you're crying about a certain section, and then the next minute, you know, you're encouraging and yeah, it's, it's a roller coaster. That's all it all it is. But once I finally got it done, and I, because I'm I'm still to this day a perfectionist, and I hate being that way, but I think everything has to be perfect. And, um, yeah, I've read it a thousand times, and it was just kind of like send, you know, you know, that whole, oh, oh, my goodness, I'm going to pass out, but send, you know, and, um, it was, it was very emotional, but I I guess the goal in writing it is I was hoping to help those, those women not feel alone. But what in turn it did for me getting over that fear, what in turn it did was all these mothers and people, mothers and people that have read my book that I didn't expect to take to take away something from it it did so it's it's not it wasn't just mothers that lost children that took away stuff from it and it that that means more to me than than anything because it's like you know i've reached even more people people that i don't know around me that don't know who i am and you know social media circles or around around where i live i reach those other people and maybe i i've changed their life or I've given them hope some kind of hope you know, and a lot of times I use, you know, everybody thinks that, you know, child loss is sad, which it, which it really is. It's the toughest thing you have to go to. But it's, sometimes I found that laughter makes it a little bit easier. If um, laughter makes it, makes it easier sometimes. And if you can laugh at yourself, if you can cry with yourself, if you can have all these emotionals and look at the headstand and go, oh, am I right? Then that's the way you should be. And, um, but yeah that's that's kind of what the book is about <laughs> so the name of the book is mama you don't heal and it's kind of like a playoff word because to me um, going through child loss I don't believe that I healed I believe I learned how to deal with it my way and how to work through and rebuild my life after child loss so but yeah it's called mama you don't heal
0: and where can people find it if somebody wants
1: to buy it, is it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, is it an Audible? I haven't done Audible yet. That's a long story with Audible, but um, right now you can buy it. Uh, there's several different places you can buy. Definitely buy it on Amazon, because that's where it started. But Barnes and Noble, Walmart has picked it up. Several little thrift stores. If you type it in um, a search engine and um, June K. Collins or just type in the name, it'll pop up. It. I haven't done Audible yet, and I can tell you a little story about that. So we were talking about, you know, you have to speak about it. (laughs) So I've tried, like, when I was writing the book and reading it over and over again, some of the times that, like, one of my things is reading it out loud to make sure it makes sense to me when I'm reading it out loud. And I'm like, yeah, I want an Audible book. But every time I read it, like a different section, I'll start crying or I'll choke up. So I haven't done it yet, but eventually it'll be on Audible but as of right now it's not Audible because I can't make it through like certain parts in it and it, it, every time I do that it's it's a different part that chokes me up and I'm like you can have somebody else way. read it yeah yeah and uh I've thought about that too but then I'm like are they gonna read it the way that I was trying to put it forward in the book but yeah so I and that's a control thing right there and a perfectionist thing but um I get it. And and I'm okay. I'm okay with it, you know, but uh but uh yeah, so every time I've done it so far, it, it it just it it hasn't happened. yet.
0: Well, I think that you know, you've come a long way and you have a lot to be happy and proud of and he's still with you in spirit and now you have your daughter and
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, new beginnings, keep it moving, but always keep him right there.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he is, and and um, his legacy will always will always be with me. And always will be. Very good.
0: Is there anything else you wanted to share?
1: No. Um. I guess the, the biggest thing for anybody that's listening to this podcast that's going through some kind of trauma, whatever your trauma is, is that it is doable. It is doable to get over it. Just take that first step. That I want to do this and never look back. I think that's, that's the biggest thing you can do. And then once you do that step, find out who you are and who you are in that moment. It might change in the future, but figure out who you are in that moment. Because it's probably not that same person before that trauma.
0: Yeah, no, you're never the same. That person's
1: mm-hmm. gone. But
0: hopefully you come out brighter on the other side.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think you grow. I think you definitely grow.
0: Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for sharing your story.
1: Yeah, Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed this. I, um, I appreciate
0: you. Yeah, not a problem.
1: All links will be in the bottom of the
0: show notes. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Seriously, it means a lot to me. And if you know anyone who can benefit off of this episode, please share it with them it's important for people who lose a child to realize that there are other people out there who do feel their pain. All right, you guys, we'll talk cram another time. Bye.